Welcome back, everybody. It's Wednesday. It's you know hum day. And you know what that means. <laughs> this one is a little extra special. Dominic Lee, how you doing? I'm doing great. I threw a little teaser out on the podcast Instagram the other day saying, you know, it's Wednesday. The episode's going to be a little extra special. Right. But you know what else is going to be a little extra special? What's that? That crispy clear audio. <laughs> That's This is true. You surprised everyone, including me. And here we are. <laughs> here we are. Hope you guys enjoy the new audio. It might not even be too noticeable, but we've got a little new setup here. Mm-hmm. It's 2021, yeah. right? New year, new us. New year, new us. Oh, we're so basic. I know. But hey, you know, eh, embrace it. Yeah, right. Embrace the cringe. Yeah. Triple C. So, again... It's it's been a while. It feels like this whole one episode. I'm a week. done with this one episode a week stuff. Well, if that's the case, if you're done with it, then boy, do I have some good news for you. Uh, it's the last you're going to see of it for a while. This is true. And not only that, but next week we're going to really starting with the end of this week. Yeah. Let me put it like this for for all the listeners. For all L- the listen in. Listen. Listen up. From January fifteenth. Through January 25th, that's 10 days, we're going to have six episodes. <clears throat> six episodes, 10 days. Yeah. Unprecedented. And it's all fights. It's all fights. Ooh, that's what gets me most excited. It's all special at that point. Yes. Fights are back. Yeah. Come this Friday. We got a preview. Mm-hmm. Cater Holloway. We're back on Fight Island. Fights are back in 2021. And, uh... I, I don't want to get too much into that because yeah. that's right. I'm just really excited to get into uh, uh, it. Yeah, right. But, but we're here today yes. to do the first of what I hope turns into kind of an ongoing uh, segment that we do on this podcast or an ongoing series as, we, as we've as we been kind of wording them as, uh, classic pay-per-view reviews. Yes. This gives us a chance to really dig into kind of the history of the, of the sport, um, the history of the UFC or... Uh, MMA as a whole and other promotions, um, we thought, what better way to start than UFC 1? No, what, what better way? Yeah, there I really mean, is. The OG, the original Without pay-per-view. this pay-per-view, are we where we are today with the UFC? Without this pay-per-view, MMA in the Western Hemisphere does not exist. At least not in the capacity it yeah, does right, today. Right. So... Yeah, it's a huge deal. It's it is a cultural milestone. Um, we're taking it back. Basically, at this point, it's it's been twenty seven and a half years ago, mm-hmm. and it's the fastest growing sport we've ever seen. Shout out to the tech, the technological age we're in that really helped boosted this sport when it needed it. For sure. Um, yeah, so I'm just kind of ready to get in into it here. Yeah, I mean, this is class number one of our UFC MMA history class if you yeah. if you will yeah good for and it's point. ufc one november 12th 1993 mm-hmm. noah set the tone so, paint the picture paint the picture all right so i do want to give a shout out to a couple of my um resources i've used to research this event over the years uh so for those of you that really want to learn more about this event and how it came to be um, because they could probably describe it even better than I can Uh, check out uh, the Joe Rogan Experience podcast the episode with uh, Big John McCarthy Um, also 30 for 30 so that's like the uh, sports documentaries that ESPN does you told me this today so ESPN does 30 for 30 documentaries you know if, if you if you are into that like into sports docs or ESPN you probably heard of them um, they've done documentaries like uh, O.J. Simpson made it America. They did, I mean, the Bo Jackson, Rick uh, Flair one, the Rick Flair. Um, they've done it over so many. I mean, you know, a lot of people think like the Last Dance was. It technically wasn't. Yeah, that's true. But it was like under the same kind of group of Com- people. Yeah, it yeah. just wasn't a thirty for thirty. It was branded. a ten part yeah. series. So. Uh, 30 for 30 does podcasts. That's something that a lot of people don't know. And you can listen to them on Spotify. And uh, I've listened to one that was uh, about UFC 1. And it was actually really cool. You know, it's like an hour long. So it's pretty brief. 
uh, pretty much just hits. It goes in depth though, because it's really about mostly the lead up to UFC one. So you really go in depth there, but, uh, check out those if you want to learn more. Um, but this event did happen, as you said, November 12th, 1993 at McNichol sports arena in Denver, Colorado, 7,800 people in attendance, 86,000 pay-per-views sold. Now, that was a shocking number to me. It really yeah, was. So 86,000 uh, in today's standards is well, nothing. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, for comparison, the biggest pay-per-view the UFC had in 2020 was UFC 251, uh, Masvidal versus Usman. That sold 1.2 million. Yeah. Um, if you want to go even a more a different comparison, you know, Stipe versus Cormier 3, I believe, was around 500,000. So, needless to say, it's a big drop-off from that. But, at the time, this completely blew away oh, yeah. any and all uh, industry expectations. Yeah. You know, I would have loved to have seen all of the promotional aspects going into this event. Yeah. Like, what all it was like on TV and, like, commercials, yeah. magazines, I'm sure, in the yeah. 90s, yeah. you know, newspapers even. Right. I would have been interested to see that. Yeah, so how this event really came to be is uh, there's two individuals in particular I'll, I'll focus on. Uh, Horion Gracie and Art Davey. So, Horion Gracie, some of you might be tipped off by the last name. Uh, he is the father of Hoist Gracie, Hicks and Gracie. That you know, he's he is in that Gracie jiu-jitsu lineage, that family. He is jiu-jitsu. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's the son of Helio Gracie, who is kind of looked at as like the OG Gracie right. when you're talking exactly like jiu-jitsu. So, you know, he's that second-generation guy there. Um, so, basically, what happened is in the in the 80s and even in the 90s, uh, the Gracie family was already making kind of a, a splash on VHS. You know, VHS was very VHS. new. Very new at the time. So, they were doing this thing called the Gracie Challenge. It was these VHS tapes they would release. Essentially, you know, they're all from Brazil, the Gracies. And they were very much masters of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And as they called it, Gracie jiu-jitsu. It was like their own little spin on it, right? So they would come over to America and to, I'm sure they went to other countries. They would go to these local gyms, you know, whether it was like karate fighters or kickboxing gyms, boxing gyms, whatever, wrestling gyms. Mm -hmm. And they would challenge anybody there. And the whole gimmick was that if you beat one of the Gracies in a, in a grappling match or just in a match, whatever you want to call it, uh, they would give you a million dollars. That was the selling point. It was like, if you win, you get a million dollars. And that was their confidence level. And I can tell you <laughs> how confident they were because they did not have a million dollars to yeah, give. Exactly. Which is the point here is that they were they never lost. So they were becoming very popular. Um, I believe Art Davey found out about the Gracie family through Playboy magazine. I believe there was an ad in Playboy magazine or an article talking about this family in Brazil practicing jiu-jitsu, and that's where he kind of began to make that, begin reaching out, trying to learn more about it. You know, that's good marketing by the Gracies, I must say. <laughs> you got to look at, like, the demographic in that day of who yeah. was getting these magazines. Right. And it's essentially the same demographic that was going to watch right. these events, combat yeah. sports. Wow. So, yeah. What a so, play. Yeah, exactly. The Gracies, <laughs> hey, they were very smart, you know. So, our Davy was a promoter, and this was what he was looking to, he, he really wanted to build some sort of an event where you could basically which style would win because i believe our davy grew up a boxer right and i think he said he was uh i believe this is him that said this so if i'm wrong again you can watch my resources i told you about and i know it's in there somewhere um, i believe he grew up a boxer and he was uh he was a kid that was always at the beach and stuff i think he was from california and he got in a, in a match against a guy who was a wrestler and he got taken down immediately and pinned immediately. Damn. And he was like, holy shit. So he said that thought was always in his head from that day on about if you put all these fighting styles against each other. What's going to be like the alpha? Who would, who would win? Who, right. What style would come out on top? And that's why he really wanted to get into this. 
So his way to kind of pitch this to Horion Gracie was, you put one of your sons in this tournament, and it's a way for you to get your product, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, right, out to the to, world, out to America, out to the, yeah. the Western world, you know. It was a chance for them to really grow their their name, their lineage. Um, and that was the big selling point. So now you have this partnership, right? And the whole thing was, was winner was going to receive $50,000, um, eight-man tournament. Art Davies decided, you know, he gets busy. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to find fighters that would, st- that would step up to do this. And of the different... Um... Arts, yeah. You know? So he so. got rejected a lot. You know, there's a lot of like, you know, at this time, boxing was king of yep. combat sports, and none of the, you know, a lot of these, it's not like he was going to be able to get Mike Tyson to come fight for fifty thousand dollars in a in a in a match that he could potentially lose. Right. You know? uh, so he had to really get creative. So there was some things that. You know, he was putting a lot of ads in MMA magazines or, I guess, boxing magazines, things like that. Um, really just looking anywhere and everywhere he could to find talent. And you get this hodgepodge group, the the, the outsiders, the, yeah. the breakfast club of fighting in a way. So Good you, way to put it. So you end up with an eight-man tournament, Hoist Gracie representing jiu-jitsu. Then you got Kevin Rogier kickboxing. Art Jimerson, boxing, Gerard Gordeaux, Savat, Taylee Tooley, sumo, <laughs> Zane Frazier, American Kenpo, Ken Shamrock, shoot fighting, and Patrick Smith, Taekwondo. So that ends up being your eight fighters eight and martial styles. arts. Yeah. And I guess maybe I should elaborate because a lot of people listening, it, it's it seems crazy because everybody's a mixed martial artist today. Everybody's right. so talented in every style. But 27 years ago, it wasn't the case. It wasn't the case, you know. You in specialized America, in one aspect of fighting. Like my dad's talked about when he was growing up in the 70s and 80s and even when he got older into the 90s, you know, karate was big and karate gyms and yeah, I mean, boxing. That's, you know, credit to Bruce Lee, yeah. then boxing, credit to Mike Tyson. Yeah, so, so those are so those are like the two that you would see in America. And then after this event, that's when jiu-jitsu really yeah. became far and wide like a huge deal. Um, and then when you went to other areas of the world, so when you went to Brazil, jiu-jitsu was very prevalent there. But in America, most people probably didn't even know what jiu-jitsu was. Right. And that's going to become more obvious when we get into this event. So, um, I could go on and on, but I, I don't want to uh, talk, you know, I don't want to keep you guys here all day. Uh, just know that this event was, un, there was unprecedented, and imagine this. So, you have your idea, right? You have this eight-man tournament where you have these guys going up against each other to determine who has the best style. Now, you have to try to get this on pay-per-view, because that's where you're going to make your money. Right. Well, Art Davey had a very hard time doing that. <laughs> he was turned down by HBO immediately. He was turned down by all these pay-per-view providers immediately, except for one. No, Semaphore Entertainment Group. SEG. Semaphore. Yeah. SEG. They would end up becoming the the uh, the fir- they were like the original owners of the UFC over time. Um so that ends up being who puts it on pay-per-view. And they were looking to get into sports, so they they were not. They were SEG was putting on a lot of concerts and but new to the sports world. Yeah, so I believe they had done um, a tennis match between. Uh, have you ever heard of the tennis match between? Um, it was the male versus female tennis players. Billie yeah, the G. battle of the sexes. Yeah, yeah. They were the ones who. No did shit, it. really. I believe so. Wow. And that was the only other sport. They, and that was huge. Yeah, at that the was time. huge. Wow. So then this was their second splash in the sports. Isn't that kind of funny? That like is UFC crazy. followed up Battle of the Sexes. There will not be another fact on today's episode that blows me away more than that one. That is so crazy. I love that. So they're able to get it on pay-per-view now. So, right. okay, mission accomplished already, right? Right. Well, now you got to come up with things like, okay, what are these guys fighting in? And then that's where one of um, one of Horion Gracie's students was a movie director. 
This is another fun yeah. one. <laughs> so he, uh, I forget his name. I think it was John Gilliam. John Gilliam, I believe. Well, he directed these uh, a movie called Conan the Barbarian, which, for those of you that don't know, was a movie in the 80s starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was a very big movie. had a sequel, Conan the Destroyer, a couple years later. He was the one that pitched the idea of the octagon with a chain-link fence. Now, if you watch Conan the Barbarian, there is a scene where you can tell where he got the inspiration for this because... In a way, you see Conan fighting these guys in this like structure, this cage-like structure, uh, almost like an octagon before, way back in the 80s, mm-hmm. before it had even been considered. So really cool there. Some of the ideas that got turned down, I'm telling you, this shit's kind of wild. They Pyramid. Thought they wanted barbed wire around the top of the cage, around the cage as a whole. Even the WWE hasn't done that. Uh, they wanted... It to be an electric fence with a pool of sharks swimming around Shut below up. it. I'm telling you, if it, you gotta listen to some of the shit, it's crazy. Um, they decided not to do that because the water, or <laughs> for because hopefully many reasons, because <laughs> you could people would get you know go into cardiac arrest among other things if they eaten by a shark. Electrocuted. Yeah, electrocuted. The like, list goes on. The water. There'd know. be a lot of li- liabilities to sign away. Yeah. So they kind of came to their senses and decided to keep it a little more simple, but iconic. I mean, it, it, yeah. was, it was... Look re- at what they're fighting in today. Yeah, it was revolutionary. So there you go. Now you have, like, pretty much everything in place, right? Well, now you got to come up with rules. Mm-hmm. And this is where you get into the marketing side. There were no rules, according to... Right. Legend. That's if you look at a lot of the promotional material it's called before it was even called mixed martial arts, the sport was called no holds barred. Ugh. Which in of itself is not a bad name because no holds barred just means that no holds so no right. chokeholds or leg locks, whatever, are barred. You can do anything. But the problem was was that even deeper into that promotion side was two fighters in or one must leave like yeah they're basically like someone's gonna die someone's gonna die yeah. and that would be that would well for this event it would do a lot of good for them and how much they sold and even for the next few events um it would become a problem for them in the next few years uh once uh washington dc mm-hmm. decided to start meddling in their business um, you know, including it, but not limited to John McCain, mm-hmm. you know, advocating for the whole sport to be banned. So <clears throat> that was most of the promotion. And truthfully, there was no rounds, so no round system. A fight would go until someone won via KO, submission, or if the corner threw in the towel. the towel. That's it. No other way that a fight is stopped. And truthfully, there wasn't a whole lot of other rules. There was, uh, I believe, you weren't allowed to eye gouge. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually even hair pulling. Actually, was allowed. so what's funny is UFC one they did ban groin shots. Mm-hmm. However, yeah, they obviously... one of the fighters. I want to say it was. I forget. Which, I think it was the second fight. I forget if it was Zane Frazier. I, one of these fighters, I believe, on this card said. If I could have been able to do groin shots, I would have been able... That's part of his style. That's what he said. Like, that's something in his style is, like, to go for the groin and yeah. things like that. Interesting technique. Yeah. So, he said if I had been allowed to do that, I would have won. So, then they allowed it. And then you get into, like, UFC 4, I think, where uh, Joe Sun gets his balls literally smashed. Right. Um, so, yeah. the At this time, there wasn't many rules, yeah. uh, but... There were more than they had. Than they had said. Exactly. Okay, so I've kind of done my. I think I've done my piece there as far as um, the lead up to the event. You painted the picture well. I I I feel like I talked forever. So now we're here, November twelfth, nineteen ninety three. Sir, Denver, Colorado. Um, not to. I, I don't know if this is something you. Maybe I should have asked you if you wanted to say this, but you just this this was your first time watching my UFC. first time from start to finish. Yeah, I mean you've seen right, but I, yeah, I sat down the other night over dinner mm-hmm. and uh, flicked it on on Fight Pass and 
an hour and 28 minutes, not too long. You know, pay-per-views these days are three hours. So I kind of appreciated that. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. No, uh, go ahead. Uh, Let's start with the commentary team. Loved it. (laughs) Bill Bill Wallace, NFL legend Jim Brown. It was a very interesting cast. And Kathy Long. Yes, uh, boxer, kickboxer. I believe so, yeah, one of the two. And then Jim Brown, uh, football player. Yes, one of the best (laughs) running backs of all time. And Bill Wallace, uh, guy. (laughs) That is a good way to put it, yes. So, let's start with, well, okay, the intro, this this feels 90. I literally put that opening intro, though, Yeah. with the the logo coming in. Yep. Then he, like, squashes it down. Isn't it sick? Picks up the ultimate, then it all rises up. Dude, I'll tell you that what. logo to this day is one of the sickest logos in, in all the nineties. That shit probably was expensive. All oh, that shit to make was that. fire when people saw that on TV. And you know that's going to be a thing, a theme for this uh, bet. This, uh, this I've never seen a more nineties event. This had nineties all over it. It was awesome. So let's start with the commentary. Uh, Bill Wallace. I think it was very clear he was not ready for this. He, Bill Wallace was um, to put it into perspective. What you expect out of a John Anik today? That's kind of yeah. The way so to he was it. the lead play-by-play right, man, is right. what the official term is. But yeah, he is John Anik, or even yeah. at times Joe Rogan's yeah. kind of done that at times. Um, or no, I shouldn't say Joe Rogan. Uh, John Anik or uh, Mike Goldberg. Goldberg. Yeah. Um, that that was our man Bill Wallace's role here. Yes. And I'll tell the people what he did in the beginning. So of course I took notes, right? <laughs> yeah, as yeah. always, and. Uh, well, first off, back to the intro, one more thing. Uh, they had, you know, as that logo was coming in and stuff, they go, the deadliest fighters in yep. the world. And I was like, bruh, <laughs> this just came on the TV and we're talking. So that's just, that's where we are with the sport. That's kind of yeah. just puts it more into perspective, you know, the deadliest fighters, quote unquote. But yeah, so we, we shoot over from that sick intro into the broadcast team. Bill's doing his little introduction. And uh, literally, like, as he's saying his name, dead ass, uh, burps. Does, right, right. He, just, he had to give a, an I example. I had to give an example. Literally, and then just kept going. Yeah. I was like, I literally put, did he just burp while introducing <laughs> Yes, he did. Question mark? Yes, he did. And then he's like, excuse me. Then just keeps going. It was like that video of... Uh, the Jets defensive lineman where he blesses himself when he sees yeah, yeah. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> yeah, he's like, bless uh, you, thank it, you. And, uh, I mean, shout out to Bill for just <laughs> fighting through it, but that shit cracked me up, dude. And you could tell what kind of <laughs> we're in for a treat. The oh. first words out of his mouth, the ultimate fighting challenge. Yeah. Huh? Bill. Take two. Take, <laughs> Take two. two. Wait, we're on live TV. Uh, so it's uh, obviously Ultimate Fighting Championship. Yeah, and yeah. just to be clear, it's always been the Ultimate Al- Fighting always has, Championship. Yes. Uh, fun fact, the original name for this event was uh, War of the Worlds. Ooh. And they really? changed it. Yep. Not sure why the change happened, but they were originally pitching it as War, War of the Worlds when they were looking for fighters. That was the... Uh, I like that, though. That was kind of the name. But, uh, yeah, so that was a side point. But Ultimate Fighting Challenge. And I, when I watched it again, I was like... I rolled my eyes. I was like, God, I was like, fucking Bill Wallace, man. What is going on here? Now, uh, all respect to Bill Wallace. I mean, this... What you're going to find as we go through this is nobody was really prepared for what happened this night. You know, the, No. I mean, they didn't know what to expect. They didn't even know anything about the sport. They didn't know, you know most of these fighting styles, yeah. and they're trying to call these fights. You know, this isn't just a boxing match yeah. or a wrestling match. or So, so we're not, like, shitting these on aren't them. Guys just... that, these guys are not specialized. You know, you have Jim Brown, who, all the respect in the world, you know, that's probably the one of the best Cleveland Brown of all time, and I'm not a Browns fan, and you're not either, but we're from Ohio. Yeah. A lot of respect for Jim Brown. That dude's a legend. Yeah. So, like, it's just cool to see him, and I, and I don't think he did a bad job, but he's not, you know, the most the most special, the most um, accredited person would have been Kathy. It's Kathy Long, and yeah. she has the least to, to yeah, say. Yeah, they hardly let her talk. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, again, a, a bit of a shaky start for Bill Wallace. <laughs> The burp, though. Yeah. If you're not going to watch this whole pay-per-view, just watch the first two minutes and you'll be so entertained. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll get into kind of our, our first fight ever. Yeah, ever. In UFC history. And we have a 420-pound sumo wrestler. Named Taylor Tooley. 
going up against a Sabat fighter from... Uh, the, the Netherlands. That weighed 216 pounds. Yes, and he looked like your uncle who just got out of prison. Gerard Gordo. Yes. And honestly, he probably was your uncle that just got out of prison because this man is a fucking savage. He, before we talk about the fight itself, <laughs> his biggest claim to fame before this uh, was that, or maybe it was after this fight, I can't remember, but uh, I believe over in Japan or uh, it was in some other country, he was fighting a, a Japanese fighter and he eye gouged the shit out of him until it permanently blinded him in the eye. So that guy was never able to fight again. So, Gordo, eh, shaky character at best. There's even stories in that 30 for 30 where, you know, they were talking about, like, when you went backstage and you see the fighters just kind of hanging out. They said Gordo was just chain-smoking cigarettes before the really before the event started. So here you go. You get this first match. and everybody, You don't know what to expect. You're just kind of holding your breath. Everybody's holding their breath, right? So what? So what do you see? What do you, uh, Taylor Tuli charges, 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 and Gordo uh, literally like a matador. So, so Taylor, is that how you say it? Taylor, Taylor Tuli, Taylor Tuli, um, charges in. Essentially, kind of falls down. He Gerard kind of gets out of the way. Gerard Gordo. does the matador thing. Yeah, he, that's exactly what it yeah. was. And uh, as Taylor's trying to get up, Gerard. Kicks the shit out of his face. It looked like a kicker kicking a field goal. This was, by the way, Taylor was grounded at the time. No rules here. Yep. Kicked him so hard his teeth fell out of his mouth. His tooth fell, flew into the crowd. Yeah. So someone's got that, I'd mm-hmm. imagine. It's probably worth a lot of money these days. And then Gerard follows it up with a vicious right uh, hook. Again, no gloves, bare knuckle. Right to the eye, cuts Taylor open real bad. The ref don't know what to do. He's like, is the fight over? Or can we pause yeah. and take a timeout? The ref it was has very no idea. Weird. I didn't know what was going on. His corner starts checking on him, but they didn't throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. It, again, shows like no one knows what they're doing at so all. So you see this like awkward pause. Yeah. Taylor Tooley's done. He has He's no been eating already. Oh, like, yeah. It's bad. Um, Gordo got really fucked up by those two shots, too. Uh, his, the tooth with his the, his foot was uh, cut. Yeah, and then the punch broke his knuckle. Yeah, so he was fucking he was hampered for for the rest of the night pretty much. Yeah, we'll talk about his hand later because it swells up like a balloon. Yeah, <laughs> and a Conor McGregor. Voice. Um, so the I, I forget the referee's name here, but he was actually um, a good choice for UFC one. Uh, MMA on Point has done a video where he was. Uh, they talked about him in it, and I can't remember that video off the top of my head, but I just want to give them the shout. Um, so basically, he ends up stopping the fight, which goes against what the whole point was of no, you right. don't stop a fight unless knockout, submission. I will say I thought he was knocked out, but then he like, <laughs> yeah. was still yeah. there. So it's, you know, uh, again, the I, agree. Was... I agree, but this is 1993. Right, so. right. Um, and because of that, Stoppage the way that went. That was one of the reasons John McCarthy got the job for UFC 2 and therefore became one of the best refs of all time. Of all time, because they want he was a Gracie student, mm-hmm. uh, he was a cop uh, in Los Angeles at the time. Huge guy, by the way, John McCarthy. That's what he called him, Big John McCarthy. And um, he wanted to actually fight in the event but they didn't want more than one representative of jiu-jitsu so he became the ref imagine because they said you cannot you cannot stop it like this you have to let it go until corner throws in the towel knockout submission and that be it but nevertheless the fight did end there was no more that happened it went 26 seconds by the way Uh, that's gonna be a theme here no fight (laughs) went longer no fight went far more what, than two and a half? Four minutes, four 20 minutes? seconds. So think about today's terms. We have the round system, three mm-hmm. five-minute rounds or five five-minute rounds. And this event had no rounds. Well, no fight went a full five minutes. So this would end up becoming a problem for the UFC later, especially when they started doing super fights. Uh, you had fights going a half hour mm-hmm. and nothing happening in them. And, yeah, it became bad. But in this event... They were like, shit, man, we never need to put in any rounds. <laughs> yeah. Like, look at this. But that, Gerard Gordeaux, 
Congratulations, bud. Advances to the semifinals. Advances to the semifinals. So now, Kevin Rogier, kickboxer. What a guy. Love this guy. What a character. <laughs> Zane Frazier, American Kimpo. Funny story about Kevin Rogier. Uh, he is a very pasty, chubby white man. Now, can From he Buffalo, kick? I think, yeah, too. Yeah, and uh, when they were looking for fighters, he reached out to Art Davey wanting to be put in this event. Yeah, he had just retired from kickboxing. And he sent pictures of himself, but he was like, cut, lean. And they're like, oh, he still looked like that. And he's like, yeah, I probably put on maybe like 10, 20 pounds or so, but, you know, still that guy. Yeah. And he showed up weighing like 70 pounds more than the picture. Yeah, he was about 260. And I think in the pictures he's like 180. So. So. Uh, you get this match up here, and uh, I'll let you talk a little bit about this because you seem to like Rozier quite yeah, a bit. This was kind of the the shit sandwich fight of the yeah, night. Yeah, it was definitely you know, the dull, it was They the both dullest. got super exhausted. Yeah. Uh, and really, Kevin just ended up being able to get that TKO finish. Zane's corner threw in the towel, yeah. though, as you mentioned to me earlier. Yeah. Um, there's really not many takeaways from I mean, this fight. I remember Rogier, I believe he was the one that he was like stomping Frazier in the head yeah. when he had him against the Yeah, dude, that was brutal. And, uh, I mean, yeah, th- they pressured each other a lot, but they just got so exhausted to where it was just like, eh. Yeah, so Zane Frazier had some sort of condition, and his wife was in his corner. So he had some sort of condition. I don't know if it was a heart condition, breathing condition, one or two. Well, you know, Colorado's at altitude. So he became, so I guess when he was walking out for his fight, um, all the fighters in their walkouts, you can see this, they have like, um, what do you call it, like a smoke machine? Yeah, like a fog maker. So I guess Frazier comes into the cage and he says that he immediately feels like he's struggling to like breathe. So he goes, oh no, this is going to be rough. Yeah. And they're in Denver, by the way, mile high, yeah, at altitude. So then fight happens. Um, when the fight, when they threw in the towel, wrote, uh, Frazier said like he literally couldn't breathe. Yeah. Uh, so he credits his wife for uh, saving his life that night. So can you imagine? Uh, we could have potentially had seen a fighter die in the octagon. The UFC would have never happened again. Yeah. So, just another thing to think about. But I guess not too much to take away here, right? Nah. Kevin Rozier advances. Kevin Rozier advances. Now is where we get into some more interesting. Stuff here. We got the Hoist King. Gracie representing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu going up against Art Jimerson, the boxer. The the, the striker versus grappler, Noah. Way <laughs> back started, in 1993. Yeah, so this match is very infamous, famous, all-in-one. It's it's very, you know, you can find, like, really cool pictures of these two, like, standing off. Um, let's start with this. Hoist Gracie wasn't the first choice to be the representative for uh, the Gracie family. His older brother, Hickson, was a much larger, mm. he was the much better jiu-jitsu fighter. He was bigger, he was stronger, he was better. So that's who R. Davey wanted to represent BJJ at this event. Well, Horion, being the genius he was, said, no, I want Hoist to. Mm-hmm. And the whole point being that it was he didn't want uh, you know like a guy like Horion, or not Horion, excuse me, Hickson. He would look not too out of place when you had him up against Ken Shamrock. You right, know, he was a built, lean guy. They wanted a smaller guy to go in and they kick wanted the big guys at small, yeah. unimposing, someone who looked like you could just pluck like off they the stood street. no chance. Yeah. The fans there would think they saw this, this little guy in his gi, you know, and he. Uh, as we'll get into, he dominates. Everybody. Um, yeah. On the other end of this fight, you have R. Jimerson, who made the very infamous, <laughs> interesting choice of uh, he wore one boxing glove. On the left hand. Yeah. And his reasoning for this was that he wanted to have a free hand to grapple with, but that he also wanted one hand to be in a glove because he didn't want to break his knuckles. It just didn't work for him. It didn't work out. Uh, I will. I did wanted to point out as well. It was noted that Hoist was coming into this with a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu record of fifty-one wins and one loss. And I'm pretty sure all the records that get talked about on this card. I'm pretty sure this is the only one that's true. Yeah, we'll talk about one next that's <laughs> quite comical. Yeah. So, but, uh, Hoist Gracie, 
showed the world what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is. Yeah. Um, it was just phenomenal watching him how just so smooth and just so easy, so smart, the transitioning right into submissions, just like it's nothing. No one knew what to do. The way he just got straight to the full mount, mm-hmm. never even threw one strike in any of the fights out of three fights. Uh, just beautiful, man. And it's just even the levels that it's improved since then is miraculous. But even that level of jujitsu that he had then, 27 years ago, <clears throat> would still be so successful today. Yeah. That's how good he was and this family yeah. as a whole. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, he, we, Way back in our uh, Mount Rushmore episode, he was the only guy that we both had on yep. our Mount Rushmore. Uh, he is the reason jiu-jitsu, the biggest reason that jiu-jitsu became such a major player in mixed martial arts, and it's one of the most necessary skills, I would say, fighting style-wise, that you need to have. Um, you can argue and debate if it's the biggest or whatever, but you know, having that jiu-jitsu base is so important when you get into grappling, and that's became... So it's just been proven time and time again, but it right. started here. Yeah. So he very smart. I don't know how they matched up these first round matchups, but putting him against a boxer was probably very smart. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, follow us along here as we go over Gracie's tournament. Fight number one against a boxer, check mark. Mm-hmm. Just keep that in mind as we go through yeah. the progression. And the fact that boxing was the most well known combat sport in America, yeah. most people probably saw. Art Jimerson, they're like, he's going to win. Yeah. We're probably like, why is he wearing one glove? But they probably were <laughs> thinking he was going to win. Um, basically, Gracie took him down, um, got that top mount, and Jimerson, not knowing what was even going on, just tapped. Yeah, by the way, the refs knew no idea what a tap wow was. <laughs> yeah, they just... They had no fucking... They let people just hold on to shit forever. and <laughs> Then they would be like... They, they would like... Check with Hoist, like, what was that? What, and Hoist what, would be what? like, he tapped. he tapped out. And they're like, oh, okay. But meanwhile, Hoist would like still be on top, like holding in yeah. the choke just in case. Yeah. It was just, I literally put like, A-O-W-T-F, <laughs> the tap though. Like, yeah. the fight just wouldn't end. It was yeah. So Jimerson uh, taps. Um, Gracie moves on to the semifinals. Yes. And then our last of our first round matchups here, Ken Shamrock. The shoot fighter going up against Patrick Smith, Taekwondo. Uh, these are two of my favorite guys from these early UFC days. Um, when I when I've watched the really early events, I just love these two guys. Patrick Smith, not a super well known guy, but he was actually uh, the crowd's favorite. He was from Denver, from Colorado. From Denver, the place went nuts. So that place went nuts. And um, hey, here's the stat, by the way. <laughs> They listed Pat Smith. I about shit myself when they said this. I, I had to. I rewinded because I thought I heard the stat wrong. Two hundred and fifty wins. Two hundred and fifty. That's a quarter of a thousand. Right. Zero losses in Taekwondo. <laughs> I like took a double take eating my dinner. Like I, like I said, I literally rewinded. Like, huh? Yeah. So now's the time. So tell me the story yeah. you told me though. So. Um, Again, Art Davey, he's a promoter, right? So it's his points to sell right. these fights. But when he's trying to find these fighters, he's being turned down by a lot of guys who are actually, like, legitimate. Legit, yeah. And not that these guys here aren't legitimate. It's just what he ended up doing was he basically asked each guy, okay, what's your record in your... Yeah. And whatever and they told him... We'll mention it on the broadcast. Whatever they told him is what he went with. Yeah. So when Patrick Smith says, I'm 250 and 0, he said, all right. That's a pretty good record. So people at home see that and they go, oh, shit. <laughs> That's Patrick, what I did. Patrick Smith's a Taekwondo killer. <laughs> and Kung Fu Panda. And he he's going up here against Ken Shamrock, who was probably the favorite to win this whole thing. Built like you, a Greek god. Yeah, built like a statue. I mean, the dude was... He had just like that. That... Like, you know the crowd saw him, and they were just like, oh, love this guy. He'd been traveling over to Japan once a month and competing yep. and beating everyone. Uh, really, he was, out of all eight of them, the second most well-rounded martial artist. Yeah. You know, him I and mean, Boyce. Yeah, like, honestly, he 
he might have even been more well-rounded. Well-rounded than Hoist. Hoist. Yeah. I mean, Hoist was legitimately all right. jiu-jitsu. Right. I mean, Ken Shamrock's style shoot fighting is essentially shoot fighting in a way is kind of what we now, it's not. But at this time, it's what today would be a mixed martial artist going up against a boxer. You know, Shamrock had, it, it was like a lot of fighting styles in one. Yeah. He was fighting in a promotion called Shudo in Japan. Uh, Boz Rutten, yeah, uh, Gary yeah. Goodridge, you know, a lot of these guys fought over in Shudo. Uh, his brother Frank Shamrock fought there. And it was, um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of the, that was kind of the where MMA really took off in Japan at first was Shudo. So here you have this matchup. What did you think of this? Yeah, was this the longest fight? It was a minute 49 oh, okay. seconds, so it wasn't the longest. Yeah, so I mean, they get to the ground, and they're in a weird... It looked like a figure four leg lock. Um, shout out Ric Flair. So, they're kind of just chilling. Um, Pat's trying to get up, but can't really get up because uh, Shamrock has his legs locked up. Eventually, he's able to twist that heel and does a, a heel hook. Yeah. And Pat Smith, the grimace on his face and the pain he was in, taps out. Uh, again, the ref had no idea what was going on. He was just screaming in the middle of the octagon, slamming the canvas. Um, Ken gets the win. They have that cringe stare down at the end of the fight. Ken's known for his fair share of cringy things. Yeah. And uh, they they try to like fight again, and the announcers are like, "Oh, they're gonna do it again." <laughs> the crowd's going crazy, and nobody knows what's going on at all. And, but uh, yeah, Shamrock really showed because he even came out. You know, had the the good boxing stance almost and everything. He's got the wrestling, like, Speedo on. Yeah. Because um, he was a WWF, uh, he did pro wrestling. Yeah, right? so he would move on to do pro wrestling yeah. in the um, late 90s. Right. So uh, it was just cool to see, you know, where they all start, and he, he dominated the fight. I mean, he didn't get, uh, he got kicked while they were on the ground and cut below the eye, but outside yeah. of that, really didn't even get touched. So. Yeah, and Patrick Smith, you know, I do want to give him some respect. Uh, if we ever have a chance to break down like UFC two or I think UFC four or five, one of the two he's in, um, that dude was actually like he doesn't get a lot of he 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 didn't fight very often in MMA. You know, I'm pretty sure after these UFC events, he really didn't do it too much more. But he was actually a guy who was. A step above some of these, you right. know, he was, he wasn't, you know, he was a step above an Art Jimerson or a Kevin Rogier or Zane Frazier. He didn't really get the show that here. Uh, he would have some awesome moments, though, in his later UFC uh, fights, and maybe some day down the line we'll get to those. I just want to give some respect to Patrick Smith. It was cool, you know, he's from Colorado. You could tell that the crowd loved him, and I'm a Patrick Smith fan from watching these early events, so I, I enjoyed seeing that. But, of course, Ken Shamrock, the man, he moves on to the semifinals. And the semifinals are set. So we got Gerard Gordeau going up against, um, oh, sorry. Rozier. Right, Kevin Rozier. I couldn't remember for some reason if Rozier had to be replaced or not. But, oh. uh, okay. And then Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock. So we'll start with Gordeau, Rozier. Well, one thing. Okay. I wanted to mention this. This was part of the broadcast while we were waiting for the semifinals to begin. They cut over. To the three commentators and um, what was it? Um, the other guy, Bill and Jim, and then what was the third gentleman on the broadcast booth? Uh, you said Bill. Bill, Bill and Jim, and then what was the third guy? Third guy. Yeah. I have Kathy Long, but oh, there, there was, was an, there was another guy. There was another. I don't that, have his like name. snuck in every now and again. I th- okay, I think it was uh, Rod Machado. Yeah, that was it, additional analysis. Yes, he wasn't a yes. part of. Yeah, I, I, that's him. And uh, I wanted to point this out. So they kind of cut over while we're waiting for the semis to start. And uh, he essentially is talking about the last two fights that had happened, which was Shamrock and Hoist Gracie, both fights taking place all on the ground. And he goes, yeah, we really got to see, you know, how good these fighters actually are and uh, how the other fighters basically just aren't prepared for that groundwork and yada, yada, yada. Um, But he's like, yeah, I'm just, uh, it's not too appealing to watch. And I, I just thought that was interesting to point out because, you know, I was like, even in 1993, you know, folks folks thought that grappling was boring. I mean, yeah. the broadcasters even brought it up, and I just thought that was an interesting yeah. thing I wanted to note. 
you know, these guys, they had no idea right. what was going to happen with this event. They thought it was kind of just a flash in the pan, yeah. you know. They didn't even know it was going to be as big as it was. They didn't know it was going to sell 86,000 yeah. pay-per-views and lead to UFC 2, which I believe even sold more than that. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, it's it's just so interesting to see what some of these early people, you know, the commentators are really the, the ones you're listening to and you're going, oh, that's what they thought of that. Yeah, and, like, the best part about doing these reviews in general, but especially UFC 1, is just seeing this and then where we are today. It's just crazy that it's even the same mm-hmm. organization in the same sport, you know? Yeah. So there's just so much to compare and contrast, and I thought I wanted to bring that up because, you know, you would never hear a commentator say it in the way he said it today. Yeah. You've, you've heard guys like Joe Rogan be like, you know, a lot of people think that, uh, you know, the grappling's boring, but if you really look at it, it's so beautiful technique and blah, right. blah, 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 and he advocates for it. But then they're just like, yeah, it's not that appealing to watch. <laughs> I, was just, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. So now we're in Gordo, yeah. Kevin Rozier. What were your thoughts here? This fight was very quick. It was 59 I, Kevin seconds. was just so exhausted from that first fight. There yeah. was nothing left in him. Uh, so Gerard TKO'd him relatively easy. What was the time on that? 59 seconds. 59 seconds. I mean, there wasn't a lot of takeaways here. Uh, this is when Gerard, they zoomed in on his hand. It was swollen up real bad yeah. from the punch to uh, Taylor's eye in that first fight. But, yeah, I mean, his striking was very good. Like, I'm not going to take anything away from Gerard, but Kevin was so just done. Yeah. Like, when he got hit by the first shot, you just knew he was ready uh, to be done. I will say, going in, or after that fight, they did a freaking interview with Kevin. You never see interviews with the losers. Well, you don't see them as often. Right. But this, they did two back-to-back losers, which I thought was Mm. fascinating. We'll talk about the next one. And uh, Kevin is just such a great character and fun guy, humble in defeat. You know, giving shout-outs to everybody. He's like, yeah, I accepted this on three weeks' notice. You know, he's basically the 1993 version of Hamzat Chmaev, you know. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, I just came in here. The altitude got to me. His coach is, like, hyping him up in the background. And it was just a really cool interview, really cool guy. You know, like, he's a guy I'd want to drink a beer with, Kevin yeah. Rozier. So, shout-out to Kevin. But, yeah, Gerard dominated what was to be dominated in that fight, I guess. And our, you know, uh, yeah, so Gordo. Makes it to the finals. Makes it to the finals. Yeah. So good on him. But he is uh, he is limping his way there. Yes, he is. On the other end, Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock. This is the OG. They were hyping this fight up on this the commentary. This is the OG MMA rivalry. Yeah. Or UFC rivalry, I should yeah. say. Hoist Gracie versus Ken Shamrock. It you have again um, jujitsu going up against shoot fighting, and really, I mean, Ken Shamrock was very much a grappler. He knew a lot of submissions in comparison to like guys like Mark Coleman yeah. or Dan Severin. You know, he actually knew a lot of submissions, but he was a, he was very much a grapple heavy guy. Just looked like a wrestler, yeah. You know, and um, Gracie obviously jujitsu. All submissions there. Came out quick in this one. Yeah. Took Ken down very quickly. Then there's the transitioning. Ken tried and tried, but you couldn't Overall, keep him up, man. if I have to give a fight of the night, this would be the one. Just the, because it was the two. This was essentially the finals. It, it was cool. The commentators were like, oh, I'm telling you, this next fight, this is the one yeah. to watch out for. We've got the two grapplers and yeah. so on and so forth. They were hyping it up. Uh, so it was cool. And it was funny because they were just talking shit about like the grappling and how it's not fun to watch but then 10 minutes later they're like oh this is going to be the fight we can't wait to see this one uh i just it's so interesting but yeah i couldn't wait to finally just sit and watch all this and to see it the build-up coming in right because again these guys are going like what a half hour between fights if that if that so that's another part that's just so crazy to this hoist is in the gi by the way we didn't even mention that doing the brazilian train when he comes out with all of his Isn't that guys. so badass? The Gracie train. Is yeah, that was it. so cool with all of his brothers and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but again, Gracie dominates, gets uh, Ken in like a rear naked choke. It was like a bulldog. To the, yeah, rear to naked the side. Choke. Like he didn't have so the full So he was using now. the gi. Yeah. Because um, basically Ken's neck was so freaking big yeah. that it was hard for him to really get a choke on. And he just grabbed the sleeve of his gi and just started yeah. pulling. And uh, Ken was forced to tap. And then again. And then, and then a ref 
doesn't see that it's a tap. Ken taps so then, five times. Yeah. Five times. Big taps. Right in front of the ref. Ref had no idea what happened. So the ref stops because Gracie's like, he tapped. And Ken kind of is like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and then and then that's where they get like pissed off at each other because yeah. Gracie's like, no, you did tap. Yeah, yeah. So then that's where Gra- you can see you can see it's just Gra- Meanwhile, Gracie's still on top of <laughs> yeah. Ken, like one arm under the throat. There's, uh, there's an interesting story about this in that 30 for 30 uh, podcast. Ken Shamrock... Um, even though this is years later, you know, this this podcast happened in, like, 2015 or something like that. He said that they wouldn't let him wear shoes into for his fights. And, you know, nowadays, nobody wears shoes you're not allowed to. But there were some events back But there. back in these days, you know, after this event, you would see it a lot. Yeah. You know, guys like Mark Coleman. Yep. Uh, even Chuck Liddell in his very first couple mm-hmm. fights wore shoes. Um, a lot of guys wore shoes. And I, I don't remember exactly. I don't know if they said if you wore shoes, you weren't allowed to kick or what. I don't. I doubt they did for this event. But apparently, they just said you're not allowed to wear your shoes. Right. And Ken claims, in this podcast, he said that that was meant to give an advantage to Gracie because he said if he didn't have his shoes, then it would take away his balance, and it would make it easier for Gracie to win. I know. Because he said, well, Gracie was allowed to wear his gi and choke me out with his gi, but I'm not allowed to wear my grappling shoes. Like, right. What sense does that make? So I see his point. Right. But it just came off like sour, you know, a guy being sour all and these years th- later. See, that's odd. Because then, we, I mean, we get into the post-fight presser. Again, we do another interview with a loser, this time Ken Shamrock. And it was actually a really humbling interview. Mm-hmm. He was, um, he's like, yeah, the ref didn't see me tap. And so, you know, I, I could have... Try to get out of it, blah, 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 blah. But then I wouldn't have felt fair to hoist and it wouldn't have flowed because I was in his choke and just all this and that. So he was really humbled. Very short-spoken, though. Like, not a very long-winded yeah. interviewer. Not that that's bad. The interviewer, interviewee, I should say, for Ken. The interviewer was awful. <laughs> no offense. It was, again, UFC 1. I'm not hating. But, uh, yeah, he gave... There was two very nice... You know, getting the thoughts on the losers back to back with Kevin and then Ken Shamrock, and and again for see that seeing that from Ken, I thought was interesting because he's always been that cringy, shit talking, yeah. so confident. Cocky. Well, I think that's why it's never worked for him when he tried to get involved in right. shit talking because deep down, deep he, down he is, I think, like a he's more of a stoic, yeah, humble. When he like, tried when he's fighting guys like Tito Ortiz who. Ortiz, I know himself, has turned into a bit of a cringe yeah. guy. But if you remember their, or if you go back oh, and the look. the freaking chair flip. If you look at some of their shit talk from their first couple fights, you know, Ortiz was a very good talker mm-hmm. back in the day. Just over time, it just didn't seem it to. Dwindled, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, these two would fight twice more. Maybe a lot of people don't know that. They would headline UFC 5. And this time, instead of, you know, because the UFC wanted this rematch so bad. So they even tried at UFC 3. Both guys were in the bracket. It was, again, tournament style, but they were on opposite sides. Yeah. So they would meet in the finals. Meet in the finals. Gracie gets hurt because he goes through Kimo Leopoldo, who was a brute himself. And if we ever get into that card someday... Uh, Kimo nearly beat him, but he had a ponytail or a man, yeah, like a ponytail. Yeah. And Gracie literally would just hold on to that ponytail. Wow. So Kimo probably would have beat Gracie. I'm serious. If you watch that fight, Gracie gets the shit beat out of him. Yeah. But he can't, <laughs> he, he, he will not let go of that hair. Um, so they were, um, so Gracie has to pull out of the tournament because he's hurt. And then. Shamrock also got hurt, so then he pulled out of the tournament. So they didn't get that rematch they wanted. So then a couple events later, UFC 5, they decided to do what's called super fights. Where, while they did have a tournament going on, they also would just book some of their biggest names and just fights against each other. That would end up being one of the worst fights in UFC history. Again, this is where the lack of round systems and the fact that you, as a ref, you weren't told to like make guys stand up for an right. activity it was 30 minutes of uh, K- 
kid in top position in Gracie's guard, and that was it. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing else. For 30 minutes, and it even went an extra five, I think. Like an overtime? Yeah, like they just said, just keep letting it go. Maybe <laughs> something will happen. It didn't. Um, and then they would even have a third fight years later as a headliner at Bellator when they were in their oh, 40s. wow, yeah. And uh, Gracie knocked him out. <laughs> My other turntables. Yeah, so... Uh, Interesting careers these two have had, and their rivalry is uh, it's it's what was it built the sport. Yeah, really, that's you know, true. But we have our finals. Yes, Gerard Gordeau versus Hoist Gracie, Dad Bod versus Dad Bod. Yeah. What were your thoughts? Gee versus pants. Gerard <laughs> had pants on. Gee versus pants. Gee versus pajamas. Yeah. yeah um, it's just. Oh, another broadcast moment I wanted to <laughs> Yeah, find out. sure. So, uh, we were, what, what brought this up? Let's see what happened. I think they were zooming in. Uh, it was about Gerard's foot, how it got cut due to the, due to the tooth yeah. of uh, Taylor in, in the first fight. And uh, Bill goes, you know, the, <laughs> they might want to check this cut out on his foot sooner than later because if it happened from the tooth... Uh, you know, the mouth is the dirtiest part of the human body. <laughs> said, that, said that on the broadcast. I lost it, dude. I just thought that was so funny. So I put fun fact of the show. So I, I had to give a shout out there to that quote. Well, fun fact. That, was, that was so funny when he said, Bill, man, if you're listening, what a what a freaking. I, but uh, I love you. Yeah, just fantastic. The burp and all. Uh, so the mouth is the dirtiest part of the human body. I don't know if that's actually hmm. true. Because, you know, asses and stuff. But, you know. Yeah. I digress. Yeah, poop comes out of there. I digress. How is that not the dirtiest part, right? I digress. <laughs> the finals. <laughs> the finals. Okay, so we have, so we have uh, Gerard Gordo. <laughs> yeah. Who potentially is the, looking at the... his foot being amputated due to... Yes. Um, dirty mouth from dirty, dirty mouth to yeah. dirty mouth Tuli. Yeah. We're going up against uh, Hoist Gracie, and it's just more dominance. Yeah, uh, I mean Gracie it, here. it's hard to really even once you've set up who Gracie is and his his whole involvement with this show. Really, the fights themselves aren't like crazy eventful. Besides the fact that everybody was so shocked. Yeah, it's just watching it today's with today's lenses on. You go, oh okay, you took him down and dominated him and. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, in this one, Hoist pressed him up against the fence, eventually lands the takedown, works the transitions again, gets the full back mount, sinks in the rear naked, tap. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it. He's the champion. And I I just wrote, you know, BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, is so beautiful to watch. Yeah. Even then and to where it is now. Especially when the other guy doesn't, like the other the opponent doesn't even know what they have no clue yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. So you just see a guy get the and, and, and that's what uh, when they do the interview with Hoyce at the end, he's like, "I I know that if I get on the ground with these people, I'm gonna win." He he was so confident in his a skill, little, and I loved it. Yeah, a um, little a little interesting note. Uh, he finished Gordo with a rear naked choke. Yeah, and. Uh, he held on to that thing. Oh, he did. Because, he held on. again, Gordo kind of has that reputation of a dirty fighter. I believe there was some bad blood there during the fight. Uh, something Gordo might have tried to do. Like, I forget if he tried to poke Gracie in the eye. Gracie felt like he tried to do something. Something happened in the fight. And um, so Gracie's like, no, I'm going to hold this. And again with the refs all night. <laughs> he he might that, have to. He tapped it. like ten times. Yeah, it was uh, uh, very interesting. Yeah, but it, it was really cool that listening to Hoist at the end, just like I knew I'd beat anyone on the ground. No one would know what to do, and I would just dominate. Uh, and he did. Three straight fights, you know, three fights in an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. You don't see that anymore. I mean, Hamzat did three fights in, what, 60 days? Something like that. Hoist did three fights yeah. in a night. That's just that's another thing where just so much has changed. Like, that would never be allowed to happen again. You yeah. can't fight two times in one night, three times in one night. Nope. It's just, it's not good. You don't know what can happen. But uh, this is how it was. In you know, everybody and everything has to start somewhere. The UFC, November 12, 1993, UFC 1, 
hard to get through, but at the same time, watching it, you learn to appreciate it. Yeah, and they gave him the oversized the check. Uh, the big check, $50,000. Yeah, it was, uh, man, what a show, right? My, so, how things have changed. If you watch this, what's funny is, like, most of these fights are so quick that, like, there's really not, It's a quick watch. Like, there's really nothing on here that's, like, a great fight. No, no not at all. You know, they're all so quick or a little, you know, like the Rozier and Frazier fight's a bit boring. But most of them aren't boring. They're just so quick. Um, literally, the one I picked to be fight of the night went less than a minute. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the M.O. of this show. Um, but what a show it was, just for its impact, its significance, and even for the fact that it, it was, considering there was nothing to go off of, really. I thought it was a very well-done show, considering. Yeah. If you consider, it was structured. If you consider the fact that, like, this is, like, a brand new concept. Yeah, no one knew anything. I thought it was really well done. And even, like, for the shit we kind of gave the commentary team, especially, you know, joking about Bill Wallace, I mean... They did their best. He, he did his best. With and what look, they were presented, you know? Look, I mean, it's, you can't really defend burps and <laughs> weird comments about the mouth, but... um at the end of the day, like he did his job, and I don't think he did like a terrible job. But it just yeah, he was he was the one that was given the hardest job to do. Oh yeah, I couldn't even imagine. And then you got Jim Brown and Kathy Long, who didn't really offer a ton. Yeah, I'll say Jim Brown was the quietest. I mean, Kathy they was quiet too, but Jim did give some good tidbits. Yeah. Being that professional athlete background, yeah. that was kind of his whole thing. Know? Was like comparing it to like so that was. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, they all meshed in an odd style, but it it worked, you know. Yeah. And now here we are. We're a little over a week away from UFC 257. Uh, we're about to have our first UFC card on ABC. It's on ESPN. It's it's ABC on Network Television. Even before that, it was on Spike. They're TV. fighting on a damn island. Like, I mean, just look at how how far it's come, and I. Personally, I think this event is just beautiful, just because it's it's a time capsule. It really, yeah, it just shows how far we've come. And in yeah. only twenty seven years, yeah, that's the kicker. Yes, yeah. So I highly recommend this show to anybody. You have to seriously, even if you're not like if you're a casual. Well, you, I love. I'd love for you to share what your cousin said. Oh right, yeah. So my cousin, um, we've talked about him a couple times on here. He. Uh, has been a big supporter of us on this podcast, and um, he even began watching some of these early fights when, you know, just getting into it when we'd be talking about it and stuff. And one night before we started recording, he texts me and goes, this Hoist Gracie guy is legit. <laughs> yeah, I cracked up And we started said... dying laughing because it's just, again, not that it was, like, wrong. Right. He was perfectly, that was a Perfect he's assessment. right. Yeah, he's right. It's just funny seeing someone in 2020, at that time, 2020, yeah. talk about a guy from 1995, 1994, 1993, and it's like talking about him like we are watching him. Yeah. You know, but that was his first impression. It's just cool to see people kind of get into the sport and have those takeaways. Like, I like I wish I could have watched this event for the first time without knowing. Right. Having any expectation, like I, I would love to. I couldn't imagine watching this in 1993. I that is, if only you know. Yeah. And it's like with guys like Hoist, all the great jujitsu practitioners we see today. You know the Mackenzie Derns and you know just all the Brazilian jujitsu's. The uh, Charles Oliveira is a big one. Like without Hoist, they're not who they are today. Mm-hmm. Hoist isn't on a or I mean. <laughs> Oliveira's not on an eight-fight win streak right. with all these submissions, most submissions in UFC history, and just it's so cool. And that goes to say for all of the practitioners, you know, the boxers, the the wrestlers, you know, DC, the Olympic wrestler, yeah. Brock Lesnar coming over and wrestling with the Olympic background. Then you've got you know the boxers, Calvin Cater that we're seeing this Saturday, Max Holloway. We've got the Muay Thai freaking Anderson strikers, Silva. Anderson Silva is the perfect mixed martial artist. Yeah. You know, it's just. It's crazy how far we've come, and looking back into this, it's just, it's awesome. It really is. I highly recommend it for anybody who's a casual viewer or a hardcore viewer. Like, you need to watch this. Just just to see what where how far we've come and really it's it's a great show to watch it's an easy watch it doesn't yeah. go like i said well. you don't get many pay-per-views that are an hour 28 yeah 
So, but uh, that's it. That was the end of our classic pay per view review of UFC One. Let us know your thoughts. Um, you can reach out to us if you're watching this on YouTube, just in the comments, or uh, leave us a voice message. Leave us a voice message. We, we want to hit that big this year, yeah, 2021. Tell, tell us your thoughts on UFC One. Uh, comment on the Instagram, on Twitter. Yeah. Link up with us on there, and we'll give those links here in a second. But first, we got to talk about our six episodes in ten days. Well, now listen, because I'm not ready for this. I know they're not ready for this. Yeah. The notepad ain't ready for well, this. Well, y'all, all y'all better get ready. I'm going to need a new notepad. Yeah. Tell them. All right. Break, break the whole schedule here. We're so, going to have a post going out. Yeah. We'll talk about that. But uh, Friday, this, well, this Friday. This Friday the 15th. 15th. January 15th is our preview of Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. Um, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> Monday, January 18th is our recap of Holloway versus Cater. Tuesday, January 19th, is our preview of Neil Magny versus Michael Chiesa. Yeah, that's right. Back to back. Monday, yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. Thursday. Thursday? January 21st is our recap of Magny versus Chiesa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The granddaddy. Friday, January 22nd, is our preview of Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. And lastly, Monday, January 25th, is our recap of Poirier versus McGregor 2. That's six episodes in ten days. This is going to be the most content-filled, you know, portion of the podcast that we've ever had. Be ready. Be following us on your platform of choice for podcasts, or if you're on the YouTube, follow the Instagrams, the Twitters. We're going to plug them here, but, like, and when we post this on Thursday, we're going to put the links on Twitter. Be ready, be subscribed, be following, because there's so much content here. This is the perfect way to just get back into the grind. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So, Dominic, until then, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at DCLE14. Find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at baj underscore MMA podcast again this schedule note just went over will be posted out on Thursday with all of our links on Twitter if you're seeing it on Instagram give it a like share it our link tree is always in the bio that Noah's going to talk about so big things coming can't wait 2021's off to an awesome start Noah <laughs> alright I'll tell you right. as for me if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on along with the social media platforms. That means the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, the Anchor page, along with Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And again, <laughs> just... The link re- tree, baby. <laughs> uh, again, if you, go to my, <laughs> if you go to my bio on Twitter, Instagram, at ntbaker underscore... You'll be taken to that link tree. Oh, but with that, <laughs> we're out. Oh, wait, wait. Did you tell them the new addition to the link tree? I wasn't paying attention. We have an addition to the link tree? Well, not an addition, but a subtraction. Addition by oh. subtraction? Yes. <laughs> the voice message link is now on the link so tree. So you're telling me I have to learn that whole. Sh- you know that. You that have to shit. redo your outro. Yeah. Shit. Well, not in I this episode, but come Friday. <laughs> I yeah. mucked it up right there. You did. You did. That's okay. So it's on there. So, so yeah. Leave a voice message. We'll share it. We want to share our... We want to build this community. The Blue Average Joes... With that, we're out, and we'll see y'all on Friday. But... (laughs)